0: This is The World in Brief, from The Economist. Our top stories. Ongoing Israeli airstrikes on the Gaza Strip have killed 29 people so far, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry. At least two senior members of Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a militant group, are among the dead. Retaliatory rockets fired at Israel from the Gaza Strip activated air sirens in Jerusalem, though there have been no Israeli casualties so far. On Monday, the UN Security Council will hold an emergency meeting to discuss the conflict. As military drills around Taiwan entered their last scheduled day on Sunday, China announced further exercises in the Bohai Sea and Yellow Sea. During its most provocative war games in decades, China fired missiles over Taipei, Taiwan's capital, and sent warships across the median line. The island's government also accused China of simulating an invasion. On August 5th, China halted talks with America on several topics following the visit of Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, to Taiwan earlier in the week. Chinese exports grew by 18% year-on-year in July, picking up pace from previous months. That beat the expectation of analysts who had worried about the slowing global economy and high inflation rates. Exports have been a rare ray of sunshine in an otherwise gloomy economic picture. China's aggressive attempts to stamp out COVID-19 have caused GDP to grow at a lethargic pace. Democrats in America's Senate voted along party lines to open debate on their signature climate, tax and healthcare legislation. The bill could pass the chamber as soon as Sunday, with the House of Representatives expected to take it up next week. The law would reduce emissions, raise corporate taxes and enable the government to negotiate lower drug prices on behalf of over 65s. Four cargo ships loaded with grain left Ukrainian ports following a UN-brokered deal to resume exports. A foreign-flagged ship also arrived in Odessa to load up, the first that has come since the war began. Officials hope to receive at least three to five ships a day within two weeks and to export three million tonnes of grain a month from Ukraine's Black Sea ports. Russia and Ukraine blamed each other for shelling at the Zaporizhia nuclear plant in southern Ukraine. The UN's nuclear watchdog said artillery exchange near the facility amounted to «playing with fire», and called for the utmost restraint. Shelling on Friday prompted Ukrainian technicians at the power station to disconnect one of its six reactors. Europe's largest nuclear plant, Zaporizhia, was captured by Russian forces in March. Eli Lilly, an American drug maker that is among Indiana's largest employers, said that a near-total abortion ban passed by the state on Friday will force it to shift hiring elsewhere. Cummins, an engine manufacturer with headquarters in Indiana, said it would select welcoming and inclusive environments when deciding where to add jobs. The law takes effect on September 15th. And word of the week, ganbei, a Chinese term meaning drink up. The word is often used when people try to bring up life under China's COVID-19 lockdowns, according to one psychologist.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Sino-American Rivalry in the South Pacific Eighty years after Allied forces landed in the Solomon Islands to confront Japan's army, a senior American diplomat will visit the oceanic country in a bid to combat expanding Chinese influence in the Pacific. This weekend, Wendy Sherman, the Deputy Secretary of State, will commemorate the anniversary of the Battle of Guadalcanal and meet Solomon Islands officials, including the Prime Minister, Manasseh Sogavari. Mr. Sogavari alarmed America and its allies in April by signing a security pact with China, allowing it to send security forces and naval ships to the Solomons. Critics fear that could lead to a Chinese military base. China and the Solomon Islands say they have no such plans, but America and its regional allies, especially Australia, have nonetheless promised more aid and engagement with Pacific Island nations. Ms. Sherman's delegation is also visiting Samoa, Tonga, Australia, and New Zealand. At least her island hopping shouldn't rattle the Chinese as much as Nancy Pelosi's did. Republican sentiment grows in Jamaica. The former British colony's celebration on Saturday of 60 years of independence will be bittersweet. Many Jamaicans had hoped that by now their country would not only be independent, but might also have removed Britain's Queen Elizabeth II as its head of state. Republican sentiment has been growing across the Caribbean where nine of 13 sovereign island states were once ruled by Britain. Other islands remain overseas dependencies. Last year, Barbados shed the British monarchy. Jamaica's government has set out a plan to do the same by 2025. But removing the monarch requires the assent of two-thirds of lawmakers in the lower House and Senate and of citizens in a referendum. That is a tall order. And many Jamaicans see debates about the head of state as of little importance compared with improving the economy and reducing sky-high levels of violence. Addressing those may prove even harder. Twin Town, USA In 1823, the Ohio settlement of Millsville was rechristened Twinsburg in honor of Moses and Aaron Wilcox, identical brothers who donated land and money to the town on the condition it was named after them. In 1976, the town invited Twins to visit, capitalizing on the name. Now a three-day festival held this weekend, Twins Days is the largest gathering of the multiple birthed in the world. Although the festivities are aimed towards twins, triplets, and quads, singletons are welcome too. One highlight is the double take Parade. This year's theme is Welcome to the Jungle, so expect rainforest creatures coming two by two. Twins make great lab rats too, so amid the look-alike contests, siblings in Twinsburg undergo scientific testing. Identical pairs are used to examine the relationship between genes and environment. One study will look at whether taste is genetically determined. Another takes biometric samples to improve facial recognition technology, identity mix-ups being an issue many twins know only too well. The Sandman comes to Netflix. From 1988 to 1996, Neil Gaiman, a prolific author, immersed readers in an intricately plotted supernatural universe. At its center was Dream, also known as Morpheus or the Sandman, among other names, who controls all dreams. Attempts to turn the Sandman into a film or television series floundered for decades. On Friday, Netflix released the first 10-episode season of its adaptation of the graphic novel. The result is magnificent. The comic's episodic structure makes it well-suited to television. Netflix's gargantuan investment, of a reported $15 million per episode, exceeding even the estimated budget of The Crown, $13 million, ensures that it is an audiovisual extravaganza. Perhaps the money, like the weight, will have been worth it. Should The Sandman of 2022 find the same fervent fans as the original did, Netflix will have a wealth of material with which to make sequels and spin offs. Weekend Profile, Gustavo Petro, a former guerrilla and Colombia's next president Latin America is known for leftist revolutionaries, from Che Guevara to Hugo Chavez, yet a leftist ruler was once unthinkable in Colombia. For 52 years, the government was at war with a Marxist guerrilla movement called the FARC. By 2016, when the armed conflict ended, it had become the longest in the Western Hemisphere. But on Sunday, Gustavo Petro assumes the presidency of Colombia. As a 17-year-old, Mr. Petro joined the April 19th Movement, an urban guerrilla group known as the M-19. A low-level functionary, in 1985, he was in prison for allegedly storing weapons when the M-19 stormed Colombia's Supreme Court. The arrival of the army resulted in a shootout in which about half of the court's judges were killed in crossfire along with nearly 100 other people. Mr. Petro appears to have had no involvement in the event. After M-19 demobilized in 1990, Mr. Petro entered politics. He became famous as a congressman for exposing links between politicians and right-wing paramilitary groups and for calling out corruption. He was less successful as mayor of Bogota, Colombia's capital, a job he held from 2012 to 2015. Mr. Petro developed a reputation as a dictatorial boss and was briefly suspended after mismanaging the municipal restructuring of a private rubbish collection service. Today, Mr. Petro still harbors some of his youthful idealism. He has promised to provide all unemployed Colombians, 11% of the labor force, with a state job and to make public higher education free. He wants to prohibit new licenses for oil and gas exploration, though extractive industries make up around half of Colombia's exports. Yet Mr. Petro's revolutionary spirit has been somewhat tempered. He picked José Antonio Ocampo, a moderate who is skeptical about offering state jobs to the unemployed, as his finance minister. Mr. Ocampo will serve alongside several other centrist ministers. And since the election in June, Mr. Petro has focused on building support among the established parties he once denounced. He has even met his arch-nemesis, Alvaro Uribe, a powerful right-wing former president. Most of Colombia's big parties have promised to back Mr. Petro. That may give him the parliamentary majority he needs to pass reforms, including a tax bill that will be his first major test in government. The rebel has become the peacemaker. THE WINNERS OF THIS WEEK'S QUIZ Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Sujon Lee, Seoul, South Korea North America, Gail Rutherford, Colorado Springs, United States Central and South America, Michael Bryant, Nova Friburgo, Brazil Europe, Amiolo San Marti, San Carles de la Ràpita, Spain Africa, Paul Lee, Pretoria, South Africa. Oceania, Grant Rees, Queenstown, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of Mel Blanc, Logan's Run, Prince Rainier III, Fuji photo film, Earl of Snowden. The theme is mountains. Mont Blanc, Mount Logan, the highest in Canada, Mount Rainier, Mount Fuji, and Mount Snowden. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Andy Warhol, who was born August 6, 1928. In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes.